Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can always support is just by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love. Also, you can always support by popping over to iTunes and leaving a review. Leaving a review ensures that the algorithm pushes the podcast so other people around the world get notified about it and can also learn from this content. So thank you so much in advance. Also make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your life. All right. So for many of us going through health challenges, it can more often than not feel like an uphill battle, especially when we're in it. Further, it can be hard to pull ourselves out and really look at it from a bird's eye view, truly witnessing both how far we've come and all the lessons that we've learned along the way. In today's episode, I'm diving deep into this very topic on embracing the healing journey with Shauna Ryder, an incredible entrepreneur in the natural healing space. Shauna is the founder of Alaya Naturals, a line of superfood supplements and powders made with the cleanest, purest ingredients. Today, she serves over 100,000 clients annually. Born with an autoimmune condition that suppressed her white blood cells, Shauna spent years battling oppressive ailments. And when she had her children of her own, Shauna found herself struggling with sleepless nights and depleted energy. A search for healing set Shauna off on a path towards functional medicine. And through research, testing, and perfecting her products, today Shauna is stronger, healthier, and more present in all areas of her life. And so if you're curious how to incorporate a functional approach to health and healing into your daily routine, you won't want to miss this powerful conversation I'm going to have with Shauna today. Hi, Shauna. Welcome. I'm so excited to reconnect today and have you on the show. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, I loved our conversation we had. It was probably like three or four months ago. It's wild how quickly this year is is flying by. Um, and I know. All of a sudden, there's momentum again. Yeah, there's momentum and events and community gatherings and conferences. And it's like, it's this weird sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it almost feels like it was off and now it's on. And there's also that like PTD, PTSD energy of like, okay, how do I integrate in a way that feels safe and um, yeah. and doesn't shock my nervous system, right? The way that it, it can feel at times. 
It's so funny because even just um, getting back in a car after we were on Mm -hmm. that initial phase of lockdown and taking a drive with my kids, I had to decompress when we got home from just visually taking in all of the stimulus around the city just in my car, like from Mm -hmm. my car. (laughs) And I thought to myself, how interesting how our nervous system regulates and we have these sort of default filters, but they can change depending on how much we're allowing in and how secluded we are and how much we're exposed to and the, you know, the shades of colors and the, the variety of smells. I mean, it, it's incredible how we respond to it all differently depending on how much we're allowing in and, and what kind of boundaries we're creating around stimulus. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting year of in and out of different kinds of worlds and experiences for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting how the brain logs memory as well. So if you're doing the same thing every day, it actually speeds up what we believe as time. Mm -hmm. But if we do things that are more stimulated or different and have a varying degree of experience, then what it feels like to our system is that it slows down time. But I've noticed that even in these small moments of even going back to dinner outside with friends, um, it feels more exhausting, right, to the nervous system, but my brain is logging that as a memory. So it feels like the last month has been (laughs) like six months. And so to my body, it's like, wow, you're tired. Because it just requires more brain capacity to, yeah, to kind of adapt to new experiences Mm -hmm. and create new thought patterns and, you know, carve those neuro pathways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I know. I, like I said, even just getting in my car after a certain period of, you know, time when we were at home for so many weeks was like a, a brand new world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just cruising down the highway. Yeah. And I'm curious, have you been um, running your business from home this entire, this entire time, like virtually? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I mean, that's the beauty of, you know, being able to, you know, set your own hours and kind of create your own schedule is that you can do it from pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. So now you own, um, it's a superfood supplement and powders company that has helped. I read like a hundred thousand individuals every single year. It's incredible. Um, and as an expert who is really, pioneering what I consider one of the most important, um, you know, paths that we all need to take towards healing, which is really using pure ingredients, clean ingredients to heal our bodies. Can you start and just share a little bit about how you got into this work and really this powerful story of being born with an autoimmune condition and your journey of healing? I'd love to yes, see. of course, Sarah. So in my teens, uh, in my early teens, I discovered that I had um, Crohn's disease, and, which is an autoimmune condition that causes a lot of inflammation. I had ulcers in both of my intestines uh, and in my stomach, which made it almost impossible for me to digest solid food. There was a period of time where I was actually only consuming pureed foods. It was that drastic in my case. Um, I also have leukopenia, which means my body doesn't produce, I'm not going to say a sufficient number, it's sufficient enough to keep me alive and thriving, but um, I'm not within the normal range um, in terms of my white blood cell count. So on a scale of 4 to 11, I tend to hover between like a 1.5, 1.6. So, you know, it's 
it's interesting because I think we can go on autopilot, like you were saying earlier in our conversation, when we're accustomed to habituating routine um, and we know what's coming and uh, our, the external variables are reliable and consistent and internally we've already kind of clocked the system and have, um, and have everything dialed in it's easy to sort of just check out, right? Like I actually read once, I was thinking about this while you were talking earlier, that when when it comes to basic everyday tasks, even like getting out of the shower, we do things almost exactly the same way in terms of like using our right hand to pat our left thigh with the, you know, the, the, the Northeast, you know, corner of the towel. It's like everything is so specific, mm-hmm. but it's all subconscious at that point it's been habituated um and it doesn't require much thought and i think the same is true for health if things are going pretty well we're in a rhythm that works for us we're eating things that don't make us sick and we're enjoying our life to a relative degree it doesn't require us to stop and take inventory Well, in my case, um, by the age of 14, I was so sick that I really had to stop everything. I had to stop my entire life. So I ended up leaving high school and I was on a number of different Western medications from prednisone, which is a heavy duty steroid to acetyl. And unfortunately, in my case, uh, none of them were effective. And in, in fact, I actually was getting progressively worse and was experiencing both the symptoms of the autoimmune conditions in conjunction with uh, the side effects of the steroids and, steroids and other medications. Um, so in order for me to get on track, I had to basically reinvent my life. And what that looked like for me was evaluating very specifically and with an incredible amount of intentionality, especially for that age, what I was putting into my body, um, what the rhythm of my life was, um, where there were stifled emotions and feelings, um, what time I was waking up and what time I was going to sleep, how hydrated I was. And I worked with both a nutritionist and a Chinese doctor, in addition to um, a really beautiful homeopathic practitioner. And I sort of like revolutionized the way I thought about how I move through the world um, and want to live my life. And ultimately, it was the nutrition piece that I feel really moved the needle in terms of my healing. Um, I was at that point off of all medication other than the Chinese herbs. And I worked really intensively with um, registered dietitians to understand what was working for my body and what wasn't, and kind of understood this concept that to me felt so counterintuitive at the time, which is that not all healthy food is healthy for every single body. We have to really understand what works for our particular bodies, what meets our particular needs. so I, I had this in, in really powerful experience of mindfulness at a really early age and then um, lived relatively normally through my 20s. Um, I did experience some setbacks 
at a certain point, I had chronic bronchitis and sinusitis in my 20s. Once again, I went to a Chinese practitioner um, who told me I was eating too much sugar and to stop taking antibiotics for my sinus infections and to do apple cider vinegar and a neti pod and you know acupuncture instead and all this stuff. And I eventually got back on track and um, was doing great again until I had my second child in my 30s um, in 24 months became really depleted. Um, I had already been breastfeeding for two years at that point when I gave birth to my daughter. And um, once again, just was feeling like I was living kind of a half-life. You know, I had gone from being really robust and inspired and resilient um, after the birth of my first child to feeling like I just wasn't in a place to... um, really do anything other than the basic everyday necessities. It was like I could get through a day and sort of enjoy my children. Um, but I knew that I wasn't experiencing the fullness of what I should have been in quotes should have been. I mean, not, not that there's any experience we're supposed to have in our mm-hmm. lives, but mm-hmm. what I wanted to experience having two beautiful young children at home um, mm-hmm. who were healthy and, and happy. And so Alaya Naturals was really born out of the desire to build on the literally decades of research I've done in the world of nutrition and and holistic healing, um, honor the idea that so much of medicine comes from nature and from the earth and that really it provides pretty much everything we need. I mean, there are very few instances where we can't um, we can't find the solution in nature and and in my bot for my body in particular, you know, um, I just I respond really well to uh, holistic you know cures for things. And so, and by the way, I'm a huge believer of antibiotics uh, when they're required. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Western medicine has saved the lives of um, numerous people I know. Um, and and but there are other ways to support the body, sometimes to the exclusion of antibiotics, sometimes not, but certainly in addition to all of these, you know, incredible um, scientifically engineered solutions. Um, You know, we can look into ways to heal through just what nature so naturally and, and generously offers. And so, Alaya Naturals, you know, began after the birth of my daughter, but was in many ways the cultivation of many, many years of building uh, a knowledge base around holistic healing and health. Yeah, it's so, so beautiful and such a, such a profound story of continuously, it sounds like throughout your whole life, coming back to more of an integrative functional approach and being a witness to um, healing holistically, mind, body, spirit, right? I know we've talked a lot about some of these subconscious patterns and belief systems that can hold us back from really stepping into our healthiest selves. And so I'm curious in terms of your journey, if there were any belief systems that you really had to overcome in order to get to that next level, um, because often we're not doing that inner work, right? It, it, it shows up later in life or it comes back when we're 
we're back in the stress or we're back in the mm-hmm. burnout or we're back in the, the, the fatigue. It's kind of our body reawakening us to, okay, there's still an, the next level of healing that's required now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious for you, maybe what some of those belief systems were, or even just, you know, subconscious resistance to healing fully. Wow. What? An enormous question. <laughs> I know it's a big and one. I, I I can tell you um, yeah. because I've been doing a lot of letting go um, the past few months. Actually, as we re-enter society, you know um, where we are in in terms of how things with COVID are evolving is allowing us to, I think, in many ways, examine what we want to re-engage and and what we don't and be very selective and conscious of creating boundaries. And so as I've considered moving into new terrain, revisiting parts of my past, um, foraging, you know, new opportunities, re-engaging with friends, it's been really important for me to understand what might influence those decisions about how I spend my time and where I find myself. And I think the overarching belief that most consistently has impacted my life is the idea that I'm not enough, period. Um, Mm. Just this idea that I am not enough. And it's so painfully handicapped my potential at different phases of my life Um, I mean, even as a singer and songwriter, Sarah, I don't know if you know this, I was a professional singer and songwriter for many years. And um, I I was given, you know, beautiful um, chances to be heard and seen in ways that I denied myself um, really the opportunity to receive those gifts. And you know, I was talking uh, recently uh, on a podcast about music and about the timing of, you know, how certain songs have come at, you know, at, at exactly the right time. And what I realized through that conversation is that sometimes, you know, we say no to things because it really fundamentally isn't the right time or the right experience. And I think sometimes we say no to things because we don't feel like we're worthy of really wonderful things or we're terrified to be fully seen and known. Um, Because if we're not fully seen and known, there's always the potential to feel like we're enough secretly, um, even if we're undiscovered. But what would happen if we're fully exposed and then rejected, you know, if people don't like us Mm -hmm. or aren't interested in in what it is we're creating or don't feel like we're a value, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of wondered with music if part of my saying no to certain opportunities early on was that I didn't want to find out what would happen if I did pursue it fully and give it my whole heart and my whole attention and then I didn't become what I, I felt like secretly I was, you know, capable of becoming. Mm. And I think the fundamental belief pattern there is that I'm not enough, that if I'm fully exposed, um, there will be nothing to impress, you know, and if Mm -hmm. that's true, then the secondary belief is that I'm, I won't be lovable, 
that right. um, I won't, you know, I won't be given the attention that means I'm worthy of love, right? Because we sort of misconstrue, excuse mm-hmm. me, and and sort of tangle up all of these notions about value um, based on how much attention we're given, who's seeing us at what time, is it the correct way of being seen, you know, right. what do they do with that knowledge now of mm-hmm. having seen you and does it verify your that you're a value or does mm-hmm. it make you feel more rejected, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really right now in a place where um, I had this thought a few months ago and it really has been kind of culminating of late because I'm going to sing tomorrow in a studio for the first time in seven years, Sarah. Wow. And so I'm really kind of like deeply looking into yeah. how how powerful my voice is and in what ways it needs to be heard, not for mm-hmm. anyone else, but for myself, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in kind of, you know, really asking myself these questions, um, ultimately what I need to understand is, A, who am I doing this for? And what is left when I abandon the need to prove something? Like if I let go of my desire to prove that I am enough or that I'm worthy of love and attention and, and my desire to be seen fully, um, you know, is, is softened by my own self-acceptance, um, Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. sort of fundamental notion that I am enough, what remains and what drives me and motivates me to create if I'm writing a song, is it because I hope that people will hear it and understand my voice and the power mm-hmm. of my voice? Or is it because there is something that needs to flow through my body that I, I, I need to create because it's a part of my soul? Mm-hmm. And God perhaps is in the expression of one's soul. Perhaps that is in a moment, you know, can be a definition of God is just the expression, the creative expression of the soul. And so, you know, is it God being exposed through my voice or is it that I want people to see me and know me and then like me and not leave me and then prove that I'm okay and that I'm mm-hmm. not going to be alone in the world forever, you know? And yeah. so... And so I've been, I've been really kind of, you know, more intimately in conversation with myself about what's left when that desire to prove something is gone. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, my, my four-year-old daughter, who was also a singer, I mean, she was just born with the most beautiful, exquisite melodies. She was crooning, you know, on my shoulder when I was burping her at like three months old, um, but the other the other night we were snuggling. We always do a little pre bedtime snuggle, and I was holding her, and it was just kind of an ordinary day and an ordinary night, and you know there was nothing like that had sort of come up that would seemingly trigger a deep conversation with my four year old. But she looked at me and she said, "Does it make you sad when people don't want to play with you?" Mm. And I said, "Oh, I said it." Is that, I mean, I immediately went, oh, is that, is that happening at school or where is, you know, 
are you feeling sad about someone not wanting to play with you? And she said, I, I just want to know what happens in your body when someone doesn't like you. Do you feel sad? And I said, well, first of all, when someone doesn't want to play with you, does that mean to you in your mind that they don't like you? And she said, yes. And I said, and it sounds like maybe you're wondering if I feel sadness when people don't want to play with me because I assume that they don't like me. And she said, yes. And I said, well, if someone doesn't want to play with me, the first thing I think is, oh, they're not my people. Mm. Just not my people. So I now have time to play with my people. Mm. And she goes, oh. And then she talks about this little boy at school who isn't giving her the kind of attention she wants from him, which is terrifying to me. And that's a whole other conversation, right? <laughs> but I'm like, oh, gosh, we're there already wanting the <laughs> approval of boys at four. At least I was like 14, but she's a good <laughs> 10 years you know, ahead of schedule. Um, but, then I, but then she said to me, you know, it, it makes me sad. Um, I get sad. And I said, I, I understand. I said, sometimes I feel sad too, you know, and I'm really mm -hmm. working on not just trying to like fix her feelings mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. quickly buffer her feelings by saying, oh yeah, but look at, you know, you have all these other friends and there's 10,000, you know, all other people in the world who might love playing with you. And this kid just isn't worth your time. But and I just said, you know, I feel, yeah, sometimes I, I feel really sad too. Um, I said, but you know what, at the end of the day, um, I really like myself and I really enjoy my own company. And so I feel good and happy knowing that I like me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just kind of bringing it back to her and going like, oh yeah, I, you know, we're, she's already seeking approval, Sarah, mm -hmm. from all yeah. of these, you know, kids. And, and so it's like, she's, so number one, okay, this person doesn't want to play with me. That means they don't like me. And if they don't like me, I'm sad because right. that must mean I'm unlovable in some way, right? So it's like the kind of, you know, first of all, without, again, like wanting to rush to find a solution for her, which I always end up, you know, ultimately doing because I'm, you know, the mom who wants to save her kids from experience. Um, but, you know, I have that conversation with myself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this four-year-old is just mirroring what an almost 40-year-old, you know, is still grappling with, which is like, okay, like if this person doesn't see me or if they do see me and it's a pass, like where is the fundamental identity that I've spent years cultivating that is sufficient in knowing that I'm enough? without requiring the mm -hmm. pat on the back or the applause or the invitation from people in my world. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And so just kind of always bringing it back to, oh, but like, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about myself? Mm -hmm. um, and so in terms of that feeling of I'm not enough, I'm trying to do what I'm encouraging my daughter to do, which is go, oh, like, how do you feel enough, like mm -hmm. on your own terms, you know, like what makes you feel like you're enough? And what I tell my son, who's six years old and a total overachiever is, you know, there's nothing really you can do to add to your value. 
you know, because he's he's really hell bent on impressing me and the world because he's just this magnanimous, like dynamite guy Mm -hmm. full of so much talent and brilliance and just, you know, he's just exploding with ideas and, you know, and colors. And it's like, he's just this fascinating combination of creativity and the cerebral. And I'm always in awe of him. And, and, but I, I'm looking at him seeing people respond to his genius and reminding him, I'm, I'm just saying to him, yeah, you know, it's really cool that you can do that or have that thought. But just mm-hmm. so you know, like when you were born, you had a hundred percent of your value. Like you just being you is enough. There's nothing you have to do or say or achieve, you know, performance. Like it's not going to affect the way anyone feels about you, how much we love you and care for you, what we think about you. Like Mm -hmm. ultimately when you were born, you were absolutely 100% enough and nothing Mm -hmm. you can do can add to that or take away from it. Mm. And so in this stage of my life, I'm also really trying to believe that for myself, which is, you know, like landing the right in quotes podcast or writing the next, you know, quote unquote, great song or, having a company that, you know, is making millions of dollars, like none of that is ever going to make me feel like enough. Mm -hmm. If fundamentally I don't believe that my, my value is complete just because I am right. Just because I exist. And the, the head heart connection there can be tricky, right? Like I'm sure Sarah, like, you know, sometimes don't you feel like you can think all of these things, but we have to sort of like grow into believing that. Absolutely. We have to move. Uh, I I personally do this. I have to move from the head to the heart because the head is in the sort of projections of what has been placed on us our entire lives. And I have to go into the heart and actually think about energetically what is my intention behind pretty much everything that I'm doing. Because even with a business that you, you know, quote unquote, oh, I want to create impact. Well, if that impact is to reach thousands of people so your ego feels happy and right. then you feel loved by all of those people who are liking and commenting and sharing and resharing, then you're doing a bit of disservice because it's not actually to create impact, right? It's, it's like one person, if you really feel worthy, one person that you're impacting would be similar to a hundred, which would be similar to a a, a thousand. It's not about the numbers. It's Mm -hmm. about the desire and the intention underneath that. And so I've been similarly just rechecking myself with what is the intention behind some of these different business decisions or, you know, different things, even with, with my relationships and community and like, what is the, what is the motivation that's pushing me forward? And if it's not aligned with my heart center, with my truth, then I, then I then have to start the inquiry process and begin to question, well, what is actually driving this? Because like you said, once you get there, when you get to the other side of it, mm-hmm. if, if it's not from pure intention, then it's not going to feel good anyway. And it's not going to make you feel that worthiness that you are desiring to feel on the other side of that accomplishment. Right. Right. Because even if no one listened to your podcast, 
the self-expressed piece of it, Mm -hmm. I think is enormously valuable. Like I sing all day in my house. No one's hearing me, you know, other than my children kind of peripherally, you know, but it feeds my soul, Mm -hmm. which changes my vibration, which I then bring into the world as an enhanced version of myself because I'm glowing because Mm -hmm. I'm, Mm -hmm. I feel fully alive. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, which isn't to say that you should be glum about having thousands of people listen to your podcast yeah, or you not. Should be, it you should know, feel I think that's a real, and yeah. inspired. Of course, I think absolutely. it's so important to celebrate all absolutely. of that. You know, for sure. But like you said, there's a lack of sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, if it isn't coming from a place where you're nourishing yourself first, and where it's something that just has to be almost. Like mm-hmm. I think you know, my life has almost been reduced to things that feel like a necessary part of my expansion, my evolution, my expression, you know, because I so value what I'm creating if it, if it is coming from that place of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that um, before around boundaries and how given this pandemic, it has gifted us with being able to set boundaries, also witness triggers, our own wounding, um, our own relationship to the word no. And so I'm curious for you what that has looked like and what you want to continue to take with you as we kind of shift back into the world um, from a lesson standpoint in, in boundaries and how you're viewing them currently. Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, as we reintegrate um, in, you know, in every area of our lives, now that we're moving into a new phase um, of, of openness, you know, I think internally as well as, you know, in, in society in terms of things literally opening, um, I think it's become so clear to me what my priorities are that I I'm not willing to expend energy casually at this point. Like if something doesn't feel meaningful to me, I'm going to be much quicker to create that boundary and say no. And P.S. Meaningful can mean like having a great time with girlfriends and goofing off and taking a walk or, you know, I don't mean meaningful as in profound necessarily, but just something that, you know, I'm choosing to do because I really want to do it versus because I feel obligated to. Um, I think that creating excuses for not doing things is something that I've felt like I've had to do my whole life because I don't want to disappoint people. And I don't want people to feel like I'm suggesting that they're not worthy of my attention or time um, because I'm creating a boundary or saying no. And so I also want to be less apologetic about making choices for myself, understanding that the implication of that isn't that I'm suggesting that anyone else is less valuable or that I don't want to engage with them, but that it's okay for me to take care of myself and prioritize myself. You know, it's just, it's interesting how I think so often in our society, we, we feel like we're 
constantly having to apologize Mm-hmm. for saying no Justify. to people. Yep. Yeah. It's like in these excuses and in these, you know, elaborate stories and, and it's, you know, to a certain degree, just so much more simple than we make it, which mm-hmm. is like, actually, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not able to be there at this right. time or that's not going to work um, with what I've currently prioritized for this particular chapter in time, but I'll circle back around when there's a little bit more spaciousness and freedom in my schedule. You know, I'd love to connect with you when the time is right. You know, Um, I just feel like I don't want to obsess over disappointing people right now. I want to really not disappoint myself anymore, you know, and creating a boundary is in many ways saying yes to ourselves. And it doesn't have to be, you know, um, it doesn't have to require an apology. (laughs) You know, it, it really is as simple as understanding what your priorities are. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm never going to do things that I don't quote unquote want to do or feel compelled to do or, you know, that are, that, you know, is serving me directly. I mean, there are tons of ways in which I want to sacrifice for friends and loved Mm -hmm. ones when Mm -hmm. I'm called upon to do so. And to be part of being in community isn't always having your schedule be, you know, convenient or in alignment with how you thought you were going to spend your time. Um, but valuing myself as much as I value what I do for others at this point feels critical to me because like mm-hmm. we were saying earlier, self-expression is a gift to others. I think if it comes from a place of being filled up yep. and if we're so yep. scattered, you know, um, constantly dispensing and dispersing <laughs> all of our energy and time, we're not going to be able to offer those beautiful gifts, you know, whether it's a podcast or a conversation or, you know, uh, even just a social meeting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have a friend who recently posted Jenna Phillips and she, she said something about how the only people who get upset when you set a boundary are the people who benefited from you not having that boundary. Mm-hmm. So it's really powerful made it for me to rethink about. And I just went through this meditation, um, program, a teacher training program with the path. And the instructor had us do like a no lying challenge. And in part of that, it was to let go of the the fabric of exaggeration and the fabric of the um, justifying, right? What Mm. it is that you are speaking your truth about. And so even though we may not be lying, we often do the justification or we, you know, give the exaggeration because we want to manage the other person's discomfort, which then Mm -hmm. manages our discomfort for making them uncomfortable. And so it was so, so beautiful to just witness how to just say no or say, Mm. like you said, that doesn't work for me, but then notice the uncomfortability in my body and having to, again, 
move through that, through the breath and through sitting with myself and noticing what emotions were coming up. And it was always about how do they feel? Did I make them uncomfortable? Are they not going to love me anymore? Are they right. not going to be my friends anymore? Are, are they not going to you know, give me what I want, you know, mm -hmm. because there's th that sort of trade energy, right, of, of exchange. And when we can be with that and heal that, then we become more empowered to stand in our truth more often. Right. And it's like, like you were saying, you know, ultimately the fear is that your needs are not going to be met. And I think probably if I'm guessing, you know, the basis uh, of that fear comes from infancy and childhood mm -hmm. where, mm -hmm our very existence is dependent on another person, namely our mother or our father, you know, potentially both. And so, you know, if we are unlovable as children, you know, we fear, or if we, you know, if we are not worthy of attention, you know, ultimately we fear death and annihilation. I mean, we, there's, there's a sort of built-in instinct that being loved is the equivalent of, you know, staying on this planet and having a body and being in existence. And somehow that wiring, you know, extends, I think, subconsciously into adulthood where seeking approval becomes uh, a way of sort of solidifying our emotional survival, which is mm -hmm. still contingent on this underlying belief that we need to be lovable and enough or we'll be abandoned um, mm -hmm. and alone forever, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing how... Um, how insidious, you know, some, you know, some of these thought patterns can be, yes. um, because we want to make it in our minds about the other person and, and, you know, us, like you were saying, sort of qualifying and, you know, easing their discomfort when in essence, we're really just trying to maintain and assure our own survival. <laughs> um, it, it's mm -hmm. really, it is kind of, you know, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And when we start to witness that we get to heal that place in ourselves, like we get to deeply, deeply heal that place in ourselves and remind ourselves that we are, we are always worthy. Like coming back to your last point, um, with your son, it's, it's, it's like, we are always worthy of all the things and all the gifts and all of life's expressions of beauty and joy. And, and yet our wounds what I've noticed even on social media have mm -hmm. been, you know, exasperated by um, the sort of hide behind your screen, mm -hmm. the triggering comments, the culture that we have created there, which is, well, if I do something wrong or if I set a boundary or if I say something that's my truth or connected to my deepest being and my community, my followers who are my people don't respond well, then I lose my worth or I don't have that worth anymore. I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure mm -hmm. in who I am. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is something that we we all need to witness as we are online. Um, and then also part not partake in the experience on the other side of that, of, of perpetuating that. Of shaming system. and, yes. yeah, and sort of uh, not embracing people's essence and intention and spirit and sort of holding them accountable to words, you know, and snapshots of their lives. I feel like we need to kind of read between the lines sometimes with people and have a lot of grace and compassion for how 
confusing communication can be mm-hmm. in the world of social media and and give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and as you're talking about healing that part of us, I think, you know, for me in particular, a lot of that healing has come from learning to and practicing parenting myself. Mm. Because if initially those wounds, you know, kind of come from this fear of not being properly parented as a child, um, taking our power back and taking full ownership of our capacity to parent and mother and nurture ourselves or father and, you know, ourselves is kind of the ultimate gift, you know, Mm -hmm. and solution in a way, because we're not reliant on other people to soothe us. We have that capacity to self-soothe. And self-soothing for me looks like not ignoring my feeling and experience, not shaming myself for being hurt or afraid. You know, it looks like acknowledging a very real human moment where I feel sad because that boy doesn't want to play with me Mm -hmm. or I feel ashamed because that person, you know, doesn't like me. And then I get to engage in a self-dialogue where I'm comforting myself and reminding Mm -hmm. myself that I have total value regardless of what anyone else thinks or says that I'm, you know, here on this planet for a reason and that, you know, ultimately I get to take back my power and decide what I do with my time and my life and how I think about myself and other people. And so not, you know, because when we're absorbing feedback from others on social media or even, you know, tangibly in, in real life interactions, you know, ultimately it's like we're giving other people the reins and allowing them to parent us. And and so we're constantly reliving the shame of like, you're a naughty kid, you did a bad thing, or, you know, and I'm going to ignore you today because you're not making me happy or, you know, whatever story you're kind of replaying. Mm-hmm. And, and instead, you know, at any moment we can just kind of be our own parent and go, yeah. oh, like, you're okay you're okay. You know, like you're, you're good. It's okay that you said something that you wish you hadn't said, you know, so does everyone else, you know, we, I still love you. Like if we had that level of compassion for everyone else and, and for ourselves, can you imagine what, just what a a load would be taken off of us Mm -hmm. and how much fear would melt away. Right. Like if, if we just believed that we would love ourselves unconditionally and give people that level of grace. It would just be a lot easier of an, of a place to live. Absolutely. And that, that doesn't mean that from a aligned place beyond our wound, right? Once we've healed that we don't take action. I think that's where sometimes people get caught up where like, well, if I'm, you know, if I, I have to, from the anger, from the pain, from the wound, step into the actionable place. And and that's okay in some context, but it's really about going within and healing that place within ourselves so mm-hmm. that as we talked about before, when you do step in and you take action or you create a movement or you stand for what is true, it's coming from a different energy. And right. Yeah. Well, I might argue improvisationally here that yeah. if 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 action is necessitated by anger, rage, which is sometimes totally appropriate by the way. I'm yeah. a huge fan of rage when it's appropriate. Um 
But, you know, sometimes that is an indicator that we haven't created the boundary, right? Because mm-hmm. if if we need to be in a place of defense or be activated on that level, we might not trust that in the softer moments we're safe. Right. So ultimately, if we believe in our own resiliency and we feel um, comfortable in our ability to create boundaries, we may be less motivated by anger. Um, and mm. the action steps may be able to come from a place of ease because yep. we're not on the defense, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am I'm in agreement of that. And, and I think from that place of vibrationally holding for love, compassion, grace, you actually draw forward the vibration of that experience in your actionable step. So as Mother Teresa says, which I'll never forget this quote, she said, invite me to a peace rally. I will never join a war rally. Mm -hmm. And it was about her talking about the energetics of just the movement forward on this planet has to come from love, compassion, grace, understanding, like you said, ease and flow. And from that energy, if we understand the law of attraction, that will create more of it. And she right. talks about how if you if you show up for a war rally, unfortunately, from a vibrational state, that often creates more more heartbreak and more pain and more fear and more suffering. And so, mm-hmm. I've never forgot that quote. Like I, I reconnect to it daily and just remind myself, okay, if I do want to take action and create change for anything that I'm angry or have rage about. How do I shift in those moments to to heal the place of myself that's hurt for whatever was true for me and then take action from a different intention? Right. Because ultimately the war is within ourselves. If if there's if there's physical strife, the war starts in our minds. The war is our belief systems. The war is a conflict of interest, you know, whether it's internal or tribes of people or communities that feel like they have, you know, conflicting agendas, but the war starts internally. And the mm-hmm. the external manifestation of that is simply that. It's the tangible evidence of where there's strife within ourselves, right? So yep. like you said, I mean, the healing comes first from within and then everything, there's a ripple effect. Everything, you know, benefits. But I would also say that, you know, in speaking of rage and anger, um, I've come to find within my own, you know, body and mind experience that sometimes those are the secondary emotions, right? Like it's much easier and more comfortable for some people to be angry than to be sad mm-hmm. or to have mm-hmm. rage than to be yep. disappointed. Um yep. And so kind of looking at grief and sadness and uh, a sense of failure or abandonment at the root of the, the rage and the, um, and the anger and the more obvious expressions of emotion, I think, are, can be very valuable yeah. because it's, um, it's often a secondary, you know, emotion or experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've noticed that in myself. Like I remember when I (laughs) packed up all my stuff in Michigan and literally drove to Florida. And and I just remember thinking, I'm never going back. Like I'm I'm never going back. 
and the amount of rage and anger that was in me hasn't turned to sadness or abandonment or processing just the the depth of of just childhood trauma until what is it 15 years later 12 years later it's 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 like that whole time has just been anger and rage covering up the sadness that I felt growing up. And so we can carry that anger and rage with us for years and years and years before we're willing to feel that next emotion and and really be in our truth of, wow, there's heartbreak there. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm reading... I'm reading a book on grief, which I'm blanking on the name, but it's the four four steps of grief. And it's been really, really powerful. And I'll, I'll link mm-hmm. it below. Um, Please do. And I would argue yeah. that that unresolved tension and grief is part of what causes disease. I mean, mm-hmm. I know for me, you know, yes, what I was eating was a huge part of why my symptoms were so exacerbated, but I do feel at the heart of my disease, not the leukopenia, but the ulcerative colitis issues, the Crohn's and all of that. I I do feel it was, um, it was unresolved emotion. It was stifled feelings. It was words and, and experiences that I felt, um, cut off from and that I couldn't, I didn't have the power to communicate. It was Mm -hmm. voicelessness really in essence. And so all of these emotions were living in my body and kind of festering and, and causing pain, you know, it was like that stuck trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think there's any escaping it. I think it either is going to make you very, very ill in the long run or, you know, it's going to transmute and turn into something like violence or passive aggressiveness or an inability to have a peaceful relationship with maybe a a loving partner because you're looking to recreate strife or you're playing out, you know, all of those sort of unresolved Mm -hmm. feelings. Absolutely. And the only way, you know, out of it is through it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent years having to feel things that I had numbed, you know, Mm -hmm. really through Mm -hmm. disease. Yep. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm witnessing that now with endometriosis and mm-hmm. just diving deep into the understanding of what on a spiritual level the endometriosis represents and being in meditation and actually interviewing the endometriosis and asking it, what is it here to teach me? What is it representing? What is it uh, presenting itself to heal from? And in that, it's just been really, really profound to just witness these visualizations and things that are coming up from my childhood of, mm. oh, wow, you've blocked that. Oh, you've never addressed that. Oh, there's that memory <laughs> that that you've been unwilling to, to be with. And um, it's, it's beautiful when we can flip it from why me, why this sickness to what a blessing. And even in the infertility journey, what has been so beautiful to, to witness. And I'm sure, and I trust you've probably felt this way too, just from reading your work on how every part of the journey has led you to this place. And there's gratitude for all of those different steps. I keep speaking to the soul of this child and I'm like, 
thank you for, for just waiting, you know, thank you for not mm -hmm. coming right away because in the waiting has been the healing. Um, and we can do that with every part of our healing journey. We can be in the, the gratitude, right. For each, each step. Yeah. I think that's just really inspiring because I have a propensity to shame myself, you know, because I'm a perfectionist and, the biggest antidote to shame, of course, is love and compassion and forgiveness. And so the gratitude piece feels key because it, it negates, you know, any possibility for blame because there's no blame to be had ever. I mean, we're just human <laughs> beings having experiences and learning and working through stuff and growing. And, and so, you know, even with everything I've experienced physically, there was a period of time where it was like, oh, I can't believe I did this to myself, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I eventually, you know, it took me a very long time, but I came to a place where similar to where, you know, you're at now, I could say to myself, wow, thank you for showing me what needed to be healed and what was unresolved. And I really forgive myself for not having the tools that I couldn't possibly have had because they weren't taught to me, you know, and um, just providing all of the love and compassion to continue to, you know, evolve. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Every time I talk to you, I just have these, these like moments of just awe and inspiration and, and clarity. Like it's really just beautiful to, to be in witness to all that you're doing and all of your knowledge and gifts. Um, what are you currently up to in terms of what's inspiring and creating and where can people find more about your work? Well, thank you. First of all, I feel the exact same way about you. I think we have very similar journeys. We've been mm -hmm. down similar path. We're both very sensitive creatures. And so yeah. we've had a lot of parallel experiences. Um, so I just, I wrote a memoir um, during the pandemic and I'm currently um, shopping it to agents, but it was a really, really incredible way to, um, I think, rid myself of final remnants of shame about everything I've been through and sort of, you know, hopefully, ultimately empower people to have the ability to unapologetically share their own stories. I, I kind of feel like more and more the things that I'm the most scared to report <laughs> and mm -hmm. share are the things that I most profoundly need to express because they're obviously like really big, you know, heavy duty things. And I've so appreciated um, vulnerability in, in, in terms of allowing other people's vulnerability to inspire me to access really uncomfortable, dark parts of myself. And I really hope to be able to do the same for others. You know, I, I really hope that my story and my journey is a hall pass for other people to create um, comfort around sharing their own stories. So I'm looking forward to at some point publishing my memoir and having my story, my complete story be known and shared. And I'm also just really excited about getting back into the studio and singing, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that that creative outlet really feeds my business because 
Like I'm formulating a whole bunch of new, really exciting, beautiful detoxifying products and supportive nourishing supplements. And they all feed each other, the music, the writing, you know, the business end of things. They're all probably different ways of expressing mm-hmm. um, and healing. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited now about the synergy between all of these different outlets because I feel like in the past I've compartmentalized myself and my life and I've only allowed myself to work on one thing at a time kind of exclusively because that was all I had the bandwidth to do. And I feel really open right now and available to everything. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like my girlfriend, my amazing um, acupuncturist, Dr. Amanda Cohen, you know, described it recently as like a cauldron, like a witch's brew. And she's like, Mm -hmm. you put some ingredients in, you stir, and then you walk away. You get some other ingredients and then you add it into the cauldron and then you walk away. And, you know, you're creating this magic, this magical life, you know, um, and, and you're taking from different places and you're sharing in different ways. And so I look forward to allowing more of the multifaceted approach, you know, in these next stages of entering my forties, mm-hmm. um, of just kind of allowing one creative outlet to bleed into another and, and allowing there to be more of a flood, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important because we hear, you know, online and there's just a lot of marketer talk around, put all your eggs in one basket, push really hard, do one thing, do it well and and show up for that one thing until it reaches, you know, a certain level of success or, or abundance, whatever it is that you're striving for. But I think in that we lose so much of life, right? So we're losing the other facets, like you said, of ourselves that, inspire us and bring about that creativity and that joy. And so for me, I've been looking at, well, if it takes me maybe just a little bit longer, you know, and and again, that's, that's a projection and and a belief, but let's just say that we're true. Is it worth it to have along the ride, the expression and the creativity and the play and the joy and, and And also just the dimension, sorry to interrupt you. But I mean, think about like the shades and the dimensionality Mm -hmm. that will be a part of what you ultimately express because you've allowed those detours. I mean, if you were to go spend three months living in Europe and doing nothing but eating pasta, like I imagine that there would be something in you, whether it's just energetic because you're being fed and are happy mm-hmm. or because of the experiences you've had or the, the people you've met, that whenever it is, you know, the right time, in quotes, there's no right time, but whenever the time, you know, that is meant for you to express yourself ultimately arrives, you're going to probably have a a fabric and a texture to that expression that's just Mm -hmm. so much more profound. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in formulas. You know, I think anyone who's selling like a way to create anything probably is um, in the game of marketing and not in like actually like authentically supporting creativity. Every mind and brain is so unique. Every you know, network like of creativity in our bodies and souls mm-hmm. resonates so differently with different people that I feel like there's just a, there's no game plan that is one size fits all. Right. You know, everyone needs to kind of find their own 
um, rhythm and way of creating. And it's going to change even from individual to individual as life goes on. Like I said, it was more appropriate for me at a certain point in time to buckle down and mm-hmm. have, you know, be more intentional and have a more concerted effort in one area versus another. And now I'm exploding in all categories. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, the timing issue, I think, is is a very man-made construct of feeling like we're behind or like mm-hmm. other people have more episodes they're releasing and more followers and they've published more books and they've got their Grammy and whatever the thing is. And it's like, well, that has nothing to do with you or me. Right. You know? Right. Right. Because we don't, we don't even understand in their internal experience, what is happening within those experiences. So one of my, one of my friends is like, you're so, you're just so calm and collected and you know like you have this really beautiful presence about you and and it was interesting because she also was like but I want to reflect something to you she was like but I know internally that's not always the way like you you have this like chaos happening in your mind where it's control and people pleasing and you know getting ahead and not believing your business is far enough along and 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 so she just was reflecting the beauty of doing the inner work to reflect that, that like mm. external presence. And, and I was like, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely true. Cause she's like, there's still chaos going on inside. And so what's, what's being presented outwardly isn't always what's, what's happening internally. And so we never know what's, what's true for other people in their experience. Absolutely. And one thing I do know is it has nothing to do with you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm more and more just staying in my own lane and going, you know, that person's way of developing their business or, you know, continuing to evolve their life plan, you know, it it may fuel me and source my own creativity, but it has ultimately nothing to do with my, my authenticity and my Mm -hmm. self-expression, which has to come from a very innate place of knowing Mm -hmm. what's right for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you might have one conversation three weeks from now that impacts the rest of your life. Right. You know, and maybe changes the whole way you view your business or your marketing, you know, plan or your concept of where you want to live, you know? And so I feel like just really, you know, you, you talk so much about gratitude, Sarah, and I just, I love that. I feel like you're a person who always comes back to gratitude as food and as source and, I think that if we can slow down and have gratitude for the little moments in Mm. our lives every Mm. single day that inform us, that inspire us, that transform and maybe just inform a unique perspective, you know, who's to say that all of those little moments aren't the things that are going to drive ultimately, you know, what it is we're putting in the world. and. And so, you know, we measure things very linearly in in terms of our output, but really it's the input, you know, Mm -hmm. that we should just be paying more attention to and enjoying and appreciating because ultimately that's going to make the output a lot more colorful and interesting. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you and thanks for just being here. It's such a, a, a blessing to have this conversation and I feel grateful that we're in the same city and hopefully soon I'll get to meet you. Yes, <laughs> I so hope so sooner than later. Thank you for 
Thank you for just wanting to create beauty in the world. I mean, I, I just, I really view you and I've been listening to your podcasts and I view you as a person who sincerely wants people to feel not only content, but inspired and, to, you know, to feel like they're worthy of being on this planet. So mm. circling back around, okay. <laughs> we're all worthy. We're all enough. <laughs> and you're a beautiful messenger, you know, so thank, thank you, you. so well. much. It was really an honor to be here and chat with you today. And I hope to meet you soon in person as well. Thank you. I absolutely loved this conversation with Shauna. She is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to embracing our worthiness and becoming the best version of ourselves. And so if you're up for a challenge this week, I invite you to take on a boundary challenge, which we talked about briefly, which more specifically is the lying challenge. First, begin to notice every time that you're not speaking your entire truth. Begin to get curious about why. Are you trying to avoid being honest with yourself? Do you not feel empowered? Are you trying to manage the discomfort of another person on the receiving end of the information? Do you feel you have to justify your experience? This week, remind yourself, as my friend Jenna Phillips shared, that the only person who gets upset when you set boundaries are those who benefit from you having none. Begin to question who in your life has benefited from you not having boundaries. How has not having boundaries hurt you? For example, I have many clients who love their job, but lack healthy boundaries, which hurts their relationship with their families. This often translates into them taking work home with them, either by working overtime or by simply taking on the stress of their day into the rest of their evening. And so this week, get creative about how to establish better boundaries for yourself. For example, one way to establish better boundaries is to be present wherever you are. For example, when you're at home, be home. When you're at work, be at work. This means don't check work messages and emails at home. Wait until you get back into the office. If you work independently, try to create a designated space in your home that you can use for work. If that's not feasible, you can try to work outside your home in a cafe or a library to release your home from being a 24-7 workspace where you always have to be on and present to your career. And so it's important to remember also that practicing presence is a highly underrated skill. When you are present, you are much more productive, creative, and efficient with your time. And you can fully enjoy your time in that moment. And so again, this week, notice when you might be lying and notice when you can't speak your boundaries or create boundaries that support your health and well-being, and then start to take actionable steps to create change. Further this week, I invite you to join the awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private, safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another. And for everyone who is already part of that group, Thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful, epic, incredible community together. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, I recommend listening to my recent episode with Megan Monahan on the power of meditation and how you can step in to your highest self. 
further drop me a message on Instagram. If you've been listening to these podcasts, let me know what's been resonating, what's exciting for you, what you want to hear more about, and how I can support you in becoming happier and healthier. You can find me on the gram at Sarah and Stewart. And until next week, I'm sending you so much love, a massive virtual hug, and I trust that you will have a beautiful, incredible week ahead. All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, Not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together So thank you for being here and part of this movement.